When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Odd combination. Yeah, well, so are my parents. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Unsolicited advice we deem important. You, on the other hand, might not. Information so good, you're encouraged to write that down. From Mackey and Judd. All right. Uh, we have an emergency write-that-down session that's been called by Dave Harrigan. And uh, I think it makes a lot of sense because there's no better time to make predictions. Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar are in Philadelphia. Then within 24 hours after one of the most embarrassing <laughs> and uh, despicable losses in Vikings franchise history, right? We might as well make some react predictions. Quickly. Just yes. react quickly without well, regard. Exactly. Let's take the bullets, take the L, and then emotionally react with passion and perhaps some dumb predictions. So is that how you envisioned it, Dave Harrigan, when you uh, set this up before the show? Yeah, it hit me last night that this absolutely needed to be done for every reason you just stated right there. So let's do it. In fact, let's start with Dave, since uh, this is Dave's brainchild. Matthew Collar, uh, you've got some guest predictions on our list from last year, including, actually, um, we're not going to do the full accountability session right now, but Matthew does have the Cleveland Browns winning the AFC in 2019, still on the board. Um, that's going to have to be a pretty big leap in the next two years from zero wins to like 10, 11, or 13. But. Uh, I would say if they draft Josh Allen, then I am just going to punt on that one. But, <laughs> if they take, but if they take Josh Rosen, then maybe there's a chance. Remember the Indianapolis Colts, they drafted Andrew Luck at the top, and then what was it, two years later or three years later, they were in the championship game against yeah. the Patriots where they were deflating football. So. Yeah, it, it can happen. It, it could happen quick. All right, we'll start with Dave here. Uh, Vikings-related predictions. Write that down, predictions. You, right. you fire away. Write let's, this down. Let's do this one first, then, talking about the quarterback position. The week one starter for next year is not on the roster right now. Okay. I've become convinced over the last two weeks he is not on the roster right now. Well, does that mean that any of the starting quarterbacks? Because like none of them are on the roster anymore. I'm saying whoever starts week one for the Vikings, yes, it is not Teddy, it is not okay. Sam, it is not Case. Just want to make sure you're not trying to backdoor a point there with a technicality. God, that would have been brilliant. It would have been. Uh, Judd, fire away. Write this down. I will disagree with Dave, and you can write this down, that the week one starter for the Vikings in the 2018 season will be Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater will reclaim the job. He'll have made enough progress behind the scenes to convince the coaching staff he's set to go, and Teddy Bridgewater will be your week one starter. Write this down. Matthew Collar. Uh, I will say that 
Delvin Cook, who um, coming from our own Derek Wetmore, tells me that uh, Cook is starting to recover but doesn't yet have football duties yet uh, with, from his ACL injury. So he's moving, but he's not doing football things yet. But I'm going to say that Delvin Cook recovers from his ACL injury and makes the Pro Bowl next season. Wow. Very all right. Plausible. All right. All right. Um, yeah, that could Write be. Write this down. That could be uh, a money prediction. Write this one down. The Minnesota Vikings will miss the playoffs in 2018 if Case Keenum is their starting quarterback in week mm. one. If they don't do something to to jolt the offense or to change things up, if they go status quo, they will have too many letdowns in other areas and the schedule gets tougher because they won the division. They will miss the playoffs in 2018 if Case Keenum is the week one starter. Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. Yeah, I mean... It- if the Detroit Lions are better, because I think the Detroit Lions the last two years have been the definition of mediocre, and one of the main reasons is their head coach. They improved their defense this year. Matt Stafford had a good year, and they still could not get into the playoffs. That's where you'd be concerned is that Chicago looks like a team on the rise. Detroit looks like they should be better next year than they were this year. Mm-hmm. So if those two things happen and Aaron Rodgers comes back, you're talking about having a pretty darn difficult uh, schedule next year. To it your is. point, Phil, as well, here's the thing. All the, all the teams you play next year are not going to be as good as the Eagles were on Sunday night, but the Eagles just gave you a blueprint of how to beat Keenum. They just gave. They just basically put on film every coordinator, every defensive coordinator this offseason now is going to sit down with that game tape and watch it, and they gave you the specific blueprint for how to fluster them and beat them. Yeah, and it could be that, all right, Mike Zimmer gets to look at film all offseason and say, all right, if another team tries to do the quick-hitting pass thing and everything the Eagles attempted to do, then, Write this down. You know, then all right, we can counter back. So, uh, Judd, I believe you're up next. Dave, actually. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Dave. Yeah, back to Dave. Back to Dave. Yeah, I'm going to be positive. I don't know why, because teams that have giant playoff disappointment like this typically flounder the next year. But the Vikings will be a playoff team next year. I have faith enough that the defense will be uh, okay. They may not be quite as good, but they will be just fine. Probably a wild card, but the Vikings will be a playoff team this uh, this next season. Write this down. Okay. Judd? The Vikings in the first round of the uh, picking late of the 2018 draft will go offensive line. They will take an uh, probably a tackle, but I think this is a team that from 2016 learned its lesson on the fact that you can't get away with starting to take offensive linemen in the fourth through seventh rounds. And so I think they're going to continue now with the trend of taking O-lineman high, and I think they take one in the first round of this year's draft. Uh, question for Collar, a meat and potatoes question. How much of moving Mike Remmers to left guard for the first time in his career on that short notice going into the playoffs against really good teams, how much, like, in retrospect, would you have just stuck with Cyril's and Mike Remmers at at right tackle? Well, I I do think Rashad Hill is a halfway decent pass blocker, but he struggled at times. The, The thing with Remmers moving on the left side is he didn't have the same pop as he did when he was at right guard against the Chicago Bears in week 17 and if you're thinking oh it's the Bears well he played Akeem Hicks it was basically a one-on-one and Akeem Hicks is a great great player and he and he looked pretty good 
Um, having to switch everything to being left-handed I thought was a, a big challenge. And if it were me, I would have moved Joe Berger to the left side instead because Joe Berger is much more experienced and could probably flick that light switch on a little quicker than a guy who would play tackle. So I would have done that differently, and it was a factor in both games for why the offense struggled at times. Right. Write this down. And now you get to make a Vikings prediction. Okay, well, I was going to uh, also predict the same thing that the judge just did so i will pivot from that to the offensive coordinator and i will predict that the vikings hire an offensive coordinator that people are largely unhappy with <laughs> so so to, to quantify it we're gonna post so then we can post a poll are you happy with the hire and if more than 50 percent say no then you win the point is that fair yeah. I mean, especially when you hear Ben McAdoo's name come out, that really disturbs you a bit from what happened to the New York Giants offense. Although the New York Giants offense also lost Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall and their front office didn't rebuild an offensive line. So, I mean, a lot of this, this is, at the end of last year, I think some of us said, ah, Pat Shermer, I'm not sure how creative he really was. And then this year they fixed the offensive line and all of a sudden it's like, wow, Pat Shermer, great offensive coordinator. Um, but I, I think whether it's McAdoo or Mike McCoy or some person that maybe you haven't heard of, or even if they promote from within, that people will be unhappy to lose Pat Shermer and hire Offensive coordinator X. Right. Yeah. That's uh, write this down. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of meat on that bone. I, I I get a little bit leery when whether it's coaches in the NFL or you know just other walks of of life. If you're if if it's success by association, well, he was Aaron Rodgers' quarterbacks coach, right. so he must yeah. be great. Like, I question that sometimes. All right, write this down. The Vikings do play the Eagles in 2018. The NFL will make that a Week One matchup. The rematch will happen week one to start the season. Uh, my guess is that Thursday means be, so Thursday night primetime, but I'll just say week one Vikings Eagles will be featured in some form either on a Thursday night or like a Fox three o'clock game, and it'll get a bunch of eyeballs. That's at Philadelphia, right, guys? And they go I, back to Philadelphia yes, for do. that game. That is correct. Absolutely so, correct. Good luck. Write this oh, that'll, down. That'll be fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> Wow. Memories. Yes. Uh, Dave, fire away. All right. Well, let's make one for the uh, upcoming big game then. I would imagine Eagles, uh, Patriots fans start coming into town probably Monday, Tuesday next week. By Wednesday of next week, you will see at least one news story involving Eagles fans getting into some sort of altercation with police and or other people. <laughs> Cops will be called. Arrests will be made. That story will be coming out by Wednesday of next week. Okay. By So by wait, when, next right. week? Yes. So they're going to... In Minneapolis? Yes. So they're going to show up like a, two weeks early for the game? No, they'd be showing up It'd be a, next a week, week from this Wednesday. Oh, I got you. Well. Okay, okay. Be gotcha. Because, yeah. I mean, possible they could stay here for two weeks, but I'm guessing the guys who throw full beer cans at Vikings fans probably can't afford like 300 bucks a night on an Airbnb. Write this down. So. They're going to take a bus and sleep in the bus station, boys. Yes. All right, That's Jeff. what they're going to do. Okay, my last one. Uh, in trying to recapture the magic that they got with Carson Palmer, the Arizona Cardinals will be the t uh, team to sign Case Keenum mm. to a multi-year rich contract, and we should all be very, very thankful for what Case brought and say best of luck, but it will be the Cardinals who fall on that three-year multi-million dollar sword that wow. will be Case Keenum. Did you guys see the story that just came out? Of, so the Cardinals are about to hire the Panthers defensive coordinator to be their head coach. Mm -hmm. So Steve Keim is the general manager of the Cardinals. Apparently he was on vacation a week ago. In some, like the Bahamas or somewhere. And a guy comes up to him, shakes his hand, introduces himself, and they hit it off. And this guy is super impressive. It was the Panthers' defensive coordinator. 
They met for the first time within the last two weeks, according to a story that just came out. I can't remember if it was Rappaport or somebody else. And uh, and in in their conversation over cocktails at this vacation site, so that's was so impressive job? that that's how he got the job. Yes, that's the report right now. So they were both basically drunk. Again, apparently. Okay, yes. good for this guy. A couple of my ties and a write this down and a new Let's head coach. Cardinals right there. <laughs> uh, he is a good he is a good defensive coordinator. So I, I think he he is probably deserving. Nice of that to meet job. you. Um, <laughs> I want to coach your team for the big game. And I know we'll have plenty of time to predict it, uh, but I am going to predict that Tom Brady does not get another Super Bowl ring. Wow. Fly, Eagles, fly? Fly, Eagles, fly, fly Eagles, is fly. what I think is going to happen because their offensive and defensive lines are so dominant. They're not just okay. They're the best that the league can offer. And the Jaguars' defensive line did a great job against Brady. They hit him. They got after him. And it was really only them botching it at the end of the game and their head coach botching it at the end of the game that cost them a win and some spectacular, spectacular throws by Brady. But in this case, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach is much much better on a completely different planet, and I think that they uh, end up beating the Patriots. So I'm going to go the other way with with my final write this down emergency Vikings uh, slash NFL write that down prediction. I think New England beats Philadelphia, and I think it comes on a last minute. So in the final minute, a go ahead or game winning field goal to uh, to ice it. So usually it's it's close games when the Patriots win Super Bowls, and sometimes it's it's big touchdowns near the end. It'll be a last-minute game-winning field goal to crush Philadelphia spirits <laughs> I, once again. I'm going to tack this on, that there will be less than three penalties called against the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And they will still lose. Three or fewer. Yeah, I'm still going with Philadelphia, but I think there will be three or fewer penalties called against the New England Patriots because referees and the league love the New England Patriots. You're telling me they played that game yesterday and they did one thing illegally. How about the that? Whole, the whole no game. holding, you were no telling nothing. Me they went you an know entire what, really? football game against a great team and a great defense. They never held. They did one thing wrong the whole game. That's why no the game way. was as close as it was, Collar. Do you know what? Do you know what really sucks about this entire thing? We are going to have a post game riot by a fan base in our town, and it's not even going to be us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that we the Boston there... or Philadelphia fans are going to tear our town up. We don't even get to riot in our own town. Is there a write that down for what Eagles fans will destroy if they lose? Well, someone tweeted in uh, since since Vikings fans went out there and put purple and gold all over the Rocky statue. Hide the Mary Tyler Moore statue somewhere. Oh, Mary. Like, hide it even more than it's already hidden. Just put it away somewhere. Is the Sid statue back out? Oh, it, it's in play, yes. Is it? Oh, <laughs> it's man. very much in play. Oh, that's bad. In fact, that's I'm bad. going to the Sid statue first. If they went after Millie, they'll go after Sid. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we already have, if you, if you thought there was maybe going to be a quarterback controversy for the Vikings this offseason, the quarterback controversy has already begun based on what someone just told the media at Winter Park. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar also in Philadelphia with Judd, and more of your phone calls, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd now continue. I want you to do it. The good Lord wants you to do it. You ready? I know so. On 1500 ESPN. One of the things we preached coming in uh, was turnovers, and uh, they took care of the football, and we didn't. And, you know, that uh, we were still in it at that point, obviously, but, uh, you know, just couldn't uh, couldn't execute on the 
crucial situations that we needed to to, to convert third downs or or score in the red zone. Yeah, Case Keenum. Yeah, turnovers. Yeah, those are those are bad. You don't want to do that in an NFC Championship game, and the Vikings did. Judd and Matthew Collar are in Philadelphia still. And we've been taking your phone calls, even Eagles fans, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. People are mostly saying that they had terrible experiences, fans that went out to Philadelphia for the game. Uh, Someone, let's see, someone just retweeted this. I witnessed in real life a group of Eagles fans scream, Bleep you to a baby in a stroller wearing a Vikings hat. Yeah. We told you. Batteries being thrown. We told you that last week, though. That'll teach that baby. Th- those calls that we got were not fictional. I mean, that is, and and I love that the fans here say, well, that's just a small group. Well, you know what? It only takes a small group of bleep holes to be throwing beer cans and batteries to make you a bad fan base. It is. like, And you know what? It's like, don't deny it. It's okay. Like You're a terrible fan base. You had a jail in your old stadium, for God's sake. So just, I guess, accept it. Don't be in denial. Um, so this is interesting from Winter Park. Not really unexpected, but Teddy Bridgewater speaking to reporters on locker room cleanout day, and he said he definitely quote feels he should be starting next season, whether it's with the Vikings or somewhere else. So I doubt if you're going to be able to go to Bridgewater if that's the case, and he's an unrestricted free agent and say, hey, let's let's make you the backup. We'll give you some incentives if he wants to be the starter. And there's eight teams looking for quarterbacks. At the very least, you're going to have to allow him to compete in training camp to bring him back. So if he if he were the starter, scale of 1 to 10, you guys, how confident would you be in the Vikings offense and Teddy Bridgewater's health and ability and all those things? If, if he's the starter, that that means that his knee is in good shape because no team would know better where he stands than the Minnesota Vikings who have seen him go through this entire prog- uh, process and then also seen him practice for this entire time. I mean, I do agree with Kevin Seifert to some extent that uh, maybe he says something that he wasn't active, but also he hasn't played since January of 2016, and Sam Bradford had played this season, and they designed the offense for Sam Bradford and not Teddy Bridgewater, and there's only so many first-team reps that he could get, so it makes a lot of sense to not have him active as compared to Sam Bradford, but... Um, if you're going to bring him back, then that means that you know where he stands and you're not going to do it as a backup because you know some other team is going to make him a starter. I, I think that that's probably more important to him than the cash is. It is probably that he wants to have a place. Maybe Miami is that spot or Arizona or otherwise, but someone will offer him a starting quarterback position. Maybe even Cleveland is that place. And if the Vikings feel like he can return to being the old Teddy Bridgewater, then I wouldn't be surprised if they did say, yeah, okay, we're going to go back to you and you're the starter. My confidence would be at about a six. Here's my question. Have they seen enough from him behind the scenes to proactively go to him now and say, here's a three-year contract that is very fair? Or is this a, a situation where he's going to get to march and hit the market? Because if mm. that happens, all bets are off. Because at that point in time, it could get goofy. I mean, you could have the Dolphins could come in. The Jets could come in. And so at, at the quarterback spot, Phil, the one thing I don't trust is I don't trust teams n- not to make irresponsible decisions. 
And if Teddy can get himself onto the market, I think it gets murky because then the question might be if the Jets come along and say, here's the starting job and here's three years at X amount guaranteed. If you're the Vikings, do you turn around and say, cool, we'll match that? Or do you say, we've seen enough yeah. to know that we're not sure here? So so if they're proactive and sign him, I'm more confident. If this gets to March, I become. I think it becomes a lot less clear his direction as far as confidence in his ability internally at Winter Park. Yeah, I think I would prefer to pay Teddy Bridgewater ten million dollars than Case Keenum twenty. Is that fair to say? They're, they both have question marks. You're not a hundred percent sure what you can expect from either of them. Bridgewater is a little younger, has probably a higher ceiling if if he can come back fully from the injury. And if I get an extra eight to ten million dollars to spend elsewhere on internal contracts coming up or an external free agent somewhere else, I think you have to consider the money involved here too. It's not just about the player. Uh, Bridgewater might be looking at a Mike Lennon type contract after all that he's been through. And w- would you do that? What was Glennon? Something like forty-five million with nineteen guaranteed, like around twenty million guaranteed in, in that yes. range. Yes. Would you be willing to do that? So even if it blows up in your face, you're only out. 20 million but at the same time if it goes really well the guy can earn 40 or 50 million it's just would somebody else offer him a better deal because Bridgewater after all this and as much as he's liked here he doesn't have to have any loyalty to the Minnesota Vikings at all when it comes to this if, if you're talking about taking a lesser deal I, I think he'll try to be a starter and maybe he bets on himself maybe he says I only want a one-year 20 million dollar deal and you would take that if you were the Vikings too and then maybe he would say okay and then I'll earn the mega contract after that I I, it, what, what's hard to figure out is what everyone else would offer, Correct. right? You, like you've got a good sense yeah. for what you would want to offer, but would the Dolphins come in and say, "No, we believe in your knee, and we'll just get injury insurance or something, and and we'll, you know, go crazy and pay you five years, ninety-five million dollars, and then he just takes it uh, and leaves." But uh, there is no better team that will know whether he can come back or not. And I, I think if he does return to what he was in 2015 with this situation, you should feel pretty confident about your quarterback setup for the years to come as long as that knee was good. But you would need to make sure that you had another Case Keenum. Yeah. You would need to make sure you found the number one backup quarterback in the NFL and that guy was on your team and ready to come in at any time if his knee didn't respond. Uh, you can find all kinds of content, written stuff. You can find Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com, with Collar and Judd still out in Philadelphia. Let's We have full phone lines right now. Let's get to some Viking fan thoughts here. Dan, you've been on hold the longest. Thanks for holding, Dan. Go ahead. Yeah, but I've been waiting the longest for a Super Bowl win. 57 <laughs> years. Sorry, Dan. Business, and we haven't been there in 42. And this is, I'm going to tell you the reason, and I think you'd agree with me. Uh, Philadelphia made great uh, decisions on number one draft choices. We took Ponder. He stunk. Bridgewater in 2015 threw 14 touchdowns. Keenum threw 24. Who the hell would want Bridgewater back? Then we got Treadwell, a great receiver. Uh, Sid Hartman could catch more passes than him. <laughs> then we traded number one, four, and seven for Bradford. And everybody would agree. Talent-wise, he had the most talent. Here he was healthy, sitting on the standing on the sideline. Why poor Keenum didn't know what the hell he was doing. 
So when you make mistakes like that, don't you think that's got to be the reason we never win anything? Dan, you forgot Matt Khalil on your list. You forgot Matt Khalil, the franchise left tackle, number four, oh, yeah. four overall. And uh, and how about that guy with hands of stone? Remember the guy with the speed a few years back? Yeah, Cordero Patterson. Yeah, but no. he, 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 he dressed very well, though. No, even before him. They they called him Hanson. No, Troy Williamson. Yeah, Troy. He he had speed, but he you could throw him ten thousand balls and he'd probably catch two. <laughs> That's a great phone call from Dan. Let's keep taking these here because Joe's been on hold for a half hour and Vikings fans, I think you're either just like done with it all or or out of your mind, ticked off. Joe, go ahead. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um quick plug for the purple podcast, because Dan could have had his Teddy Bridgewater touchdowns questions uh, laid out to him very thoroughly. Exactly. I didn't want to put Matthew through another five-minute apoplectic rant about Teddy Bridgewater's <laughs> touchdowns from a couple years ago. Well, here's my analogy, and Phil, this might ring true to you, and it probably rings true to some other folks. I'm a couple years older than you, so here's why I say that. My analogy in, to being a Vikings fan for myself is this, and it's not meant to be depressing, so you don't need to picture the Sarah McLaughlin uh, music in the back, but <laughs> you have a you have a puppy, okay? And this puppy grows up knowing only an abusive owner, okay? All it's been is abused its whole life. And then it's fortunate enough to find a new family. <laughs> puppy finds a new family. Very nice to him, and thank you for the music. Puppy finds a music or a uh, family very nice. Family pets the puppy for the first time. What does that puppy do? It flinches. It doesn't trust that that new owner is going to be nice to it. Yeah. So last week represented the Vikings, quote-unquote, petting their uh, fans. But this whole week, you still remember that just because you got that petting one time doesn't necessarily mean you're going to trust it the next time, as we all learned here. So that's my analogy. Yeah. They are the abusive owner, and we are all the abused puppy dogs. Yeah. If you'd like to donate to abused Viking puppy dogs, call 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Every donation matters. Let's go to Jimmy in Arizona. Jimmy, you're on hey, Maggie man. and Judd. Thanks for taking my call. I mean, I, I, you know, on the quarterback thing, I think the Vikings are going to have to let uh, Case see what the market's going to give them. They can always franchise him if they need to and get him for a year. But, I mean, I think – Collar, I think we need to look at Alex Smith. I think we got to make a run at Drew Brees. Just see what else we can do. But if we had to have Case for another year, I don't think that's going to be the end of the world because there's other things that the Vikings need to shore up. I mean, on the defensive line, Tom Johnson is not the right three-gap guy. We definitely need a Fletcher Cox-type person. I don't know where you get one, but um, I think we are a long way away from being as good as the Eagles they played with so much more intensity, um, so much faster to the ball, everything about it. But if I was Zimmer yesterday, why not do a Nick Saban and put uh, Bradford in to start the second half? I mean, maybe that would have jump-started the team, and maybe that possibly would have maybe made the Vikings play a different gear because, quite frankly, we were we looked like the Cleveland Browns yesterday, relatively speaking, and – I give Philly all the credit. They came out with a better scheme, better game plan. Zimmer did not adjust. Um, I, it's, it's unexplicable. But, you know, I think uh, 
I think uh, our offensive coordinator next year, hopefully we get a young guy who is innovative, not a Norv Turner type. Um, and we'll see what, what happens at quarterback. I mean, worst case is we'll have Case for another year. Best case is maybe we get an Alex Smith or we lure Drew Brees away from New Orleans, long shot, but you got to make a stab at it. But, guys, good show. Thanks. Jimmy, thanks for calling in, man. And, uh, again, we're, we've been mostly full this hour, but as soon as people jump off, chime in. Your thoughts on uh, this Vikings burial here, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Let's, let's take a quick break. Judd and Collar in Philadelphia. Let's come back and discuss more about losing on the big stage. I have a theory I want to run by you guys, and we can take more calls. Chuck and Mike and CJ and Ed, you'll all uh, be on before the top of the hour here. Phil Mackey. I am so sick of you right now. You make me want to puke. I mean, honestly, I want to puke right on this microphone. Judd Zolgad. I think you're clueless. I think you're entirely clueless. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hats off to the Eagles, man. Hey, they came out ready to play today. They played much better than we did. I'm just sad we let our fans down. Hey, how much do you guys like Philadelphia, Matt and Judd? You guys are in Philadelphia right now. Like, do Do you love Philadelphia? Uh, love is too strong. I don't mind it, but uh, the the fan base that throws beer cans sways uh, me strongly against it. Get comfortable. We just opened the win- We just opened the blinds here. Six inches of snow in Owatonna in the last hour. So uh, you might well, have we'll to hang out there for a couple days. We're going to Chicago. Okay, you're for so sure going to get to Chicago. St- yeah, so we'll, get to Chicago. we'll be stuck there, which is not a bad place to be stuck. No, it's not I don't terrible. Mind being stuck in Chicago. I don't think they're going to throw like bricks at your babies and uh, yell at your 99-year-olds as much in that's, Chicago. So you're saying that Chicago is soft. It is. It's uh, S-A-W-F-T you soft. Know, th- that's the thing is that when you go to a city to cover a game, it's not like you get a whole lot of uh, time to go see all the sights. It's like we went to just some chain restaurant yesterday. Ruby Tuesdays. Great shocking, the ju- shocking that Judd's influence on dinner would lead you to a chain restaurant in a city. Yeah. Like, Ruby yeah. Tuesdays is a great Doc. salad bar. That's all I got to say. They well, must not have had an Applebee's nearby. Oh, it's too bad. There is not. <laughs> there is not. I can confirm. I looked for one. There is not an Applebee's nearby. The only Philadelphia. Yeah, the only Philadelphian thing I did was throw a rock at an old woman. Right. And then, yeah. But it pretty missed. standard. Did you hit her? No, his arm's too weak. Did you, by the way, did you see those idiot Eagles fans throwing the full beer cans? Like, at least be accurate, for God's sakes. Like, they were they were trying to hit Vikings fans, and they were missing by 10 or 15 feet. You know, maybe they were too drunk to see the target. I don't know. <laughs> you think? But so people have called in, and it's, it's a good question, and it's kind of a, a rhetorical question. The Why do different Viking rosters and different Viking coaches with different blueprints lead to the same result for 57 years. And I, I'm going to take a crack at this. We have full phone lines. We'll take some calls here. But I want, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I think there's a certain self-fulfilling prophecy when it comes to fans and media who've been maybe ingrained in a certain losing culture, making the history very well known. The players hear it. The coaches hear it. They feel it. They, they, you can sense the desperation from the media and the fans that, hey, please be the team that gives us the joy, and they can say that they block it out, but it's impossible to fully block it out. And so if you watch some of these NFC Championship games, the Vikings rarely look comfortable at what I would call the high-stakes table. Uh, I, I used to I used to play poker and be around the poker industry a lot, and I'd always ask some of the high-stakes big tournament players when there's 
you know, there's six figures on the line or they're playing at a cash game table and they've got $15,000 in front of them. I said, if you're in a big hand, how do you block out the fact that you just bet a car? Like you just bet two houses on, on a hand and there's all this money at stake. And they say, if, if, if you've been playing in these games long enough, you don't even think about the stakes. You don't even think about the money. If you're the Patriots and you're playing in an AFC championship game, you're not thinking about the stakes. You're not thinking about legacies and Super Bowls. You're just running plays because that's your normal habitat to be playing for a trip to the Super Bowl. For the Vikings, and because there's this reeking of desperation that surrounds the franchise, it's almost like in those peak moments, players and coaches tighten up or just aren't comfortable on the brightest of, of or the, the biggest of stages and under the brightest of lights. That's my theory on it. Can, can I just say, for you, Phil, I like the way you laid that out, and you did a good job with it. But I just think it depends on having the quarterback who can win for you. I, I don't know that there's anything to the the stage, the culture, the media, anything else. And with the Patriots, I think they're the best example. From 1960 in the AFL to 2000, they went to two Super Bowls. They lost both. They were barely ever in the playoffs. They were mostly a clown show, occasionally relevant with Drew Bledsoe. And then they stumble stupidly on one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time and have a great coach. And all of a sudden their culture changes and all of a sudden they can handle the big stage and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all the way through. And I mean, you look at many teams who have had these same exact things, the New Orleans Orleans Saints, the same thing, like just an abomination of a franchise for three decades or four decades. And all of a sudden here comes Drew Brees and you are in the Super Bowl again. And, And that to me is why I picked the Browns for the 2019 AFC championship game, because I just don't believe in any of it. I don't believe that the Vikings got full of themselves. I don't believe that there's some sort of effect of this area or region or fan base or anything i think they got their asses whooped by a better team yesterday who had a better roster a better offensive a defensive line and that's why they lost but i I also think you might have overcome that if you had some good quarterback play in that game and that's that's where i'm gonna stand that the reason this organization never gets over the hump save for fran tarkenton is past him you've never had that all-time quarterback I think the problem for for the fan base, too, and I empathize with these people, is making sense of this. Because the Vikings take you to the edge of the cliff, and they find different ways to fall off all the time. And so you come back to why. I mean, are they do, do they shrink in the moment? Do they not have this or, or that? But, I mean, when you think about 98 and 2009, you think about ultimate heartbreak, right? I mean, you were right there, and you let the game those games go. In the case of 2000 and yesterday, you get there and you just fall apart. And I think what's so tough to to fathom and get our heads around about Sunday's game is this. Your strength became a weakness. And I really, I think it's very difficult to sit down and say, okay, why? Because at every turn, something different goes wrong. And it's been years, it's been years. I mean, the, the guy who called before basically that was 57 years of frustration unleashed in one phone call right yeah and it's just so many different things and and i go back to the fact that when we talked about this game all last week the one thing we said we were confident was never going to happen was one thing right eagles aren't going to blow out the vikings they mopped the floor with them 
that's where I think the frustration comes in in trying to figure out this franchise because it's so inconsistent in how it basically lets us down. Let's go to uh, Ed here. Ed's been on hold the longest. Ed, fire away. You're on with yeah, Mackie and Judd Matthew Collins. Just a couple comments. Number one, you look at the statistics and everything else, the Eagles and Vikings were pretty equal statistic-wise. I mean, let's face it. The Eagles played with a backup quarterback that only played five games. So I think you got to give the Eagles, the coaches, credit, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, the other thing is this. The Vikings, they got six games against pretty weak teams this year, two the Packers, two the Lions, and two the Bears. I don't know how they did. I don't follow the record. But you, I, I think back, Case Keenum did a hell of a job for the Vikings. And there was no guarantee if they had Bradford in there for the season or uh, Bridgewater, it would have been any different. And the fact is, you're dealing with a potential liability with Bradford and Bridgewater because Bridgewater's knee could collapse at any time again, and Bradford is historically a hurting quarterback. And I don't understand, you know, you bring in an Alex Smith or a Greasy, who knows what they're going to do any different. Keenum is younger, and I think you've given the whole season, and I think it's going to be a lot different too because you're going to have an offensive coordinator that in my understanding will not be a quality of Shermer but it's really it's it's kind of hard to keep listening to the difference with quarterbacks when he got us to the playoffs how but, many okay but but Ed, Ed, you're giving full credit to Case Keenum for dragging no, the Vikings to the gi- playoffs no, that's I'm absurd giving, no I'm not but I'm saying how do you how do you differentiate he at least got us there with the court with the rest of the team there was no guarantee of Bradford or Bridgewater would have even made the playoffs Okay, thanks for the call, Ed. Well, one There's thing is, fifteen other quarterbacks that would have done the same exact thing, if not more. Like that's the point. Well, the, I mean, the one thing, the points about the uncertainty with Bradford and Bridgewater are one hundred percent correct. But um, Alex Smith isn't that much older than Case Keenum. Case Keenum's twenty nine. Smith is going to be thirty four, which is in right in the middle of the prime of quarterbacks. From what we see, quarterbacks playing late into their thirties all the time. And with Alex Smith, you have a huge sample of him playing very well. Have you ever looked at Alex Smith's numbers as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, I don't think people do. I think they just sort of like, okay, he's he's Alex Smith, whatever. He is fifty and twenty six as a starter. With a 94.8 quarterback rating, he has thrown 102 touchdowns and 33 interceptions during his career as the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. And he led the NFL this year in quarterback rating, and his head coach let him down in the playoffs when he had his best season. They also didn't have a great defense this year. I mean, if you say that you don't know what you're getting with him, no, I think you definitely know more of what you're getting than what you're getting with Case Keenum, who could be, he could be good next year. Or he could be Derek Anderson, who has the one ten and five season with the Browns, and then never does anything ever again. The sample size on someone like Smith or Cousins is very big. The sample size on Case Keenum is just is just one season where everything really went his way. Yes, if you think you know what you're getting from Case Keenum for the next year, three years, or five years, because he did what he did this year, that is that is that is ignoring. 20 years in the quarterback era yes. of of one and done guys like Matt Schaub and Brian Hoyer and Brock Osweiler like to not be at least a little skeptical is a huge mistake. We got to take a break real quick. Judd and Collar are in Philadelphia. Superstar Mike Morris is on the way and uh, the numbers are 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd now continue. Stand aside everyone.
Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hey, kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 miles Saturday, March 24th. Bring your Lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event. It features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, activities for all ages, plus hot dish and beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is open now. All runners will receive a Storm Creek, uh, Storm Creek or Crick, I guess, if you're from the South. Long sleeve, quarter zip tactical <laughs> pullover details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword <laughs> events. Yeah, easy Charlie Daniels. I'm right, a little thrown off. A gal <laughs> called us during the break and just lumped me in with all of you guys and your Bridgewater opinions. Very upset, and I don't... I don't appreciate it, and she hung up on me. Okay, well, here, here's the thing, and we got we have about five or six more minutes left with Matthew Collar before Superstar comes in. Collar and Judd are in Philadelphia, so so Collar has a stat that that I'm gonna I'm gonna let him deliver this, but this is this wasn't good enough. They had the best defense in the NFL, and the defensive performance was an absolute embarrassment as well. We're not letting the defense off the hook, but. To sit here and say that, well, bring back everything the same, quarterback and and de- every, this wasn't good enough if you want to win a Super Bowl. And you have to look at every area. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad in Philadelphia, for the people just saying, well, bring Case Keenum back and back up the Brinks truck, baby, $20 million a year. I think that's a mistake. I, don't, I think that's what uh, guys like Ed don't get. And and let's not let's not distance ourselves uh, from what transpired on Sunday, and then say, you know what though, that was good enough. That was okay. We'll take that because this defense can get you to the playoffs again. Is my guess, but there is a very good chance that what Case Keenum accomplished this year was a one season blip, and it was a fun season, and he came in and played well, but. He had a good offense around him. He had a coordinator who's going to leave now who was fantastic. And to just assume that now this is him, there is as there is a there is a chance that what we saw this year can be duplicated by him again. There is also a chance that the guy who was a career backup to this point collar is that guy and he's coming back in two thousand eighteen. And if that's the case and you've given him a three year contract with guaranteed money, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh here's the stat, Phil. Uh, I'm going to now name all the quarterbacks this year's playoffs, who had worse quarterback ratings than Case Keenum. So this, is, this is a list of almost yep. half the league. So every 12. quarterback who made the playoffs this year, I mean, in their playoff quarterback rating, so the two games for Case Keenum, you know, one game for other guys, Tyrod Taylor. That's it. That's he's it. The only, he is the only one who had a worse quarterback rating than Keenum. And it's hard to explain because you saw the defense do so poorly. It's hard to explain how all that starts with the quarterback for two reasons, though. The two turnovers. Yes, the offensive line let him down, but it's also his football. And you cannot turn the ball over there. We knew this all year long that if you turn the ball over, you would probably lose if you're the Vikings. And you don't get a chance to play ahead when you turn the ball over and give another team the ball. And then they can control the possession. Then they can control the drives when you're giving them extra chances. So those two things. And he did it in both games. He, t- he had turnovers in both games when the stage is the biggest, when the defenses are much better. And that's what you worried about. That's what we worried about all year long with him. We said, of course he could beat Cincinnati. Of course he could beat Chicago. Of course he can beat Detroit. But can he really beat the great teams? And, and, and yesterday, in the last two days, or the last two games, I think he showed that he really can't. And when you come away with the second lowest quarterback rating in the playoffs, I, I think you have to look at that and say, well, 
he is who he thought he was in a lot of ways here. Yeah. Let's do let's do another phone call here and then uh Matthew Collar can deliver his final I don't know, your final uh, epilogue to this season here. We'll probably get you back in studio tomorrow. CJ, you got about uh, 45 seconds, CJ. Go ahead, man. Hey, fellas, I just don't think that this roster deep down was strong enough. And I think the caller before about all the blown first-round picks is on to something. I think you just you look at this roster and your blue-chip first-round players, you had two guys, Barr and, and Rhodes. Past that, you didn't have another first-round pick on that field. And it, you know it's a great story with you know underachieving guys that have overachieved like Thielen and Case that were undrafted. But when you don't have first round talent on the front end, it shows. And you look at that makeshift offensive line with Hill playing right tackle. You look at the cornerbacks after Rhodes; they just didn't have the players. And this one's on Spielman, in my opinion. Uh, all right. So okay. You I mean, there's Kyle, just... the, the final minute for you, Kyler. Go ahead. All right. Okay. Well, the. Most of that, if not every single word, I disagree with. They have uh, more first-round picks than he's remembering, and a great job by the front office this year to sign good right and left tackle and a center. And, like, okay, so just all of that is kind of inaccurate. But the the final thing that I would say before I go here as we just react to yesterday is the Vikings had a great team, a really great team. They had a great culture. They had Tons of professional, superstar-level players and a really, really great coach. And I think they got beat by a better team in a really, really tough environment, and they didn't respond when things got really tough, and that's the biggest criticism I would have. But going forward is where my mind is, and this offseason is going to be, in one position, incredibly crucial to whether you let this be the peak of the Mike Zimmer era or the start of a very long, successful Mike Zimmer era. Yeah.